Aaron Bradshaw is back in practicing with the Kentucky Wildcats, but when will Aaron's first game be? You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first Purchase On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be discussing Aaron Bradshaw returning to practice as we discussed on yesterday's episode, and we are going to talk about when we believe he will return for the Wildcats and what that means for the rest of their non-conference slate. We're also going to be having a brief preview of Kentucky versus Marshall tonight. Thank you so much for making Locked on Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, would appreciate it if you subscribed. And thank you so much to all of the new listeners here at Locked on Kentucky. We've had a surge in subs over the past 48 hours. Really appreciate everybody that has jumped on the bandwagon and I hope you stay. It's going to be a fun ride here for This season. So, we talked on yesterday's episode about Aaron Bradshaw returning to practice. Phenomenal. It does a lot of really good things for Kentucky. And obviously, if you get one big man back, you'd like to hope at some point down the road, Uganda and Yenzo is going to be here practicing within the next couple of weeks. We're going to keep tabs on that. Zvonimir Ivasic, I believe the the NCAA only has now, what, four days, two days uh, to approve Big Z. And, uh, It's looking like at this point it may not happen, so Kentucky may be rocking with two big men uh, for the the season alongside, obviously, Trey Mitchell, who I think at times we don't give enough credit to, but that's not the point of today's episode. The point of today's episode is to discuss when will Aaron Bradshaw, the one big seven-footer that is back for the Wildcats, when is he going to play for UK? Uh, I've talked with a couple different people. A couple different people that I've discussed also have put their similar thoughts on Twitter, uh, about when Aaron Bradshaw is going to play, and everybody has told me that Aaron Bradshaw is probably almost definitively not going to play tonight against Marshall, and he is not going to play against Miami, therefore. Well, what's the reason for that? Of course, you would like to be able to have your seven-footer back for whatever tough contest you would like to have more bodies in the room for, but unfortunately, this situation just kind of works out at a weird time with Bradshaw because From Cal's perspective, if you were coaching this team and you were trying to get a seven-footer fully healthy that could completely change the outcome of several games for your team this season, would you want to throw him into the fire against a top 10 team at home and the biggest home game of the season up until this point? I mean, you're going to have a couple of different big ones in SEC play. Tennessee, obviously going to be a massive one. I think Florida is obviously consistently one. Gonzaga as a non-con game in the middle of that February slate. That's going to be a huge game as well. But Miami is massive in its own right because of the NCAA tournament implications. If you are able to win this game, getting a quad one victory under your belt and such, would you be willing to throw a player that has not played a single game and has practiced maybe three or four times, a couple of them very lightly with your squad? Would you want to just toss him out there? 
I don't know if this coaching staff is willing to do that. If they are, I'll be shocked. If they don't, I will not be shocked. I'll just be sitting here just hoping that Kentucky with their with their rotation currently is able to take down the Hurricanes at home because that is a very good Miami squad. I do not care what Kim Palm has to say. I believe right now, if we go and check real quick, that Miami, I'll just pull this up here real quick. Yeah, Miami is 35th in Kim Palm. So I don't know what the hate here is for, for, the, uh, for the Hurricanes, but they're a very good team. Aaron Bradshaw, I don't think will play against the U. So that leads you to the next two games on the schedule where he could possibly show up. You've got UNC Wilmington, and then you are at a semi-away game up northeast in uh, or against Penn. So you've got one home game, a semi-away game, and then you go and play North Carolina in Atlanta, which is really interesting because, if I'm not mistaken, now Ken Palm actually says Kentucky's going to lose that game. They've only got a 40 only. They've got a 47% chance to take that one in the ATL UNC Wilmington right now, December 2nd, is where I would expect Cal to toss Aaron Bradshaw out and give him some minutes. And that's where I want to now steer the conversation. And I don't think I discussed this on yesterday's show. If I, if I did it all, uh, I, I didn't, didn't really discuss it a lot. Aaron Bradshaw, when he comes back for this team, we talk about what he does well, shoots the ball well, handles the ball well, really solid rebounder, seven foot one. Awesome. We know what he is capable of on paper. It'll be it'll be fun to see how he fits into this team. When he gets out there, when he starts to play for Kentucky against UNC Wilmington, against Penn, North Carolina, Louisville, and then Illinois State, I don't know if you are going to see Aaron Bradshaw contribute in from a minutes perspective from a getting-the-ball perspective, from having plays designed for him to get a touch perspective, which I don't know if Kentucky's doing a whole lot of that for any of their players, and that's not a slide at them. It's just the way that they operate. But I, I don't know if Bradshaw is going to be making a significant impact other than getting five to seven minutes for these first couple of games, UNC Wilmington and Penn. You're not going to see him, I don't think, go out there, play 20 to 25 minutes, and and have a really good night statistically. You're going to see growing pains here at the beginning of working a seven foot one freshman into the lineup that is fully recovering from an injury, or from a surgery, I should say. And that's okay. Kentucky has proven now, through five games, that they have an offense that can score with a defense that may be a, a, a little bit lacking at times. You have to be able to get Ugun Onyenso back and ready at some point early on in this SEC slate. Mid to late January, I would love to see Ugunna back with this team because at that point, then you'll see, I think, a fully healthy Bradshaw who is contributing night in and night out. And then you will see Ugunna, who is beginning to round into form as well, who I think is a very good shot blocker. I think he is arguably the best defensive player on this team, not named Reed Shepard at the guard position. So Kentucky has time, I think, through this, this non-con slate. They've got time to get these guys healthy. They've got time to get them comfortable, and that's the bigger emphasis here. But Aaron Bradshaw, I don't believe, is going to be a major contributor for Kentucky, and that's this is not a shot at him. This is not a shot at his capability. 
This is simply just a projection, a, a an opinion based on the way that Cal has utilized his players when they get hurt, when they come back from injury, and the slow process, therefore, within that. I think that Bradshaw is going to be a very good player come season's end, but let's not freak out if Bradshaw steps out, even if he steps out there tonight, and he plays three, five, seven, ten minutes, and people are asking, hey, we should put him on the court more. Why aren't we putting him on the court more? Just have a little bit of patience. I think it will come soon. This is all just my opinion, my guess as to how it will shake out. So if you've got any thoughts on how Aaron Bradshaw will be utilized for Kentucky, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. I want to switch now to a preview of Kentucky versus Marshall tonight. Some of you will be watching this right before it tips. Some of you may be watching this somehow after it tips. If you are continuing to watch, continuing to watch after, I really appreciate it. Before I dive into this preview of Kentucky versus Marshall, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. It's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that victory. You can keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you have not subscribed on the podcast feed, if you guys are listening there, I really appreciate the podcast audience. It's been a solid month here at Locked On Kentucky. If you're watching on YouTube and you're one of the couple hundred subs that have joined over the past five or six days, uh, go ahead and hit that like button. If you're listening and you're not subscribed, hey, go ahead and sub. Uh, a lot of other people are joining the bandwagon here. Let's continue to keep it pushing. I'm ex so excited to get this season kind of rolling with you guys. We've only, we're only five games in. We've got so much to talk about. We still haven't seen Kentucky at their full capacity. And we've got a game tonight that I said, gosh, way back in maybe June, that this would be a difficult matchup. Or it might have been July. This will be a difficult matchup for Kentucky. And as the pieces started to slowly pull away from Marshall, the ones that were really good for the th Thundering Herd last year, I kind of said closer towards the season, okay, maybe this may not be as good of a game, but I still want to keep my eye on, Mar eye on Marshall. It could still be somehow difficult. And obviously, we got to see St. Joe's take Kentucky to the wire. So, I mean, any point at any team, any team at any point on the schedule could make life difficult for an inexperienced UK squad. But you look at Marshall right now. Currently two and three on the season. They've beaten two bad teams and then they've lost to some eh teams. And whenever I say meh teams, I mean teams Kentucky would beat at home pretty consistently. At least that would be my opinion. And that would also be the opinion of computer models and Vegas and other outlets as well. What do the Thundering Herd do well? Let's start here with that. 
Well, as I mentioned right now, they're not winning a ton. They've won two games. They beat Queens and FIU. Both range in that mid-230, 240 range on Kim Palm. And in case you don't know, by the way, there are currently 363 teams in Division I college basketball. So whenever I go to reference websites like Kim Palm, and I'm looking at statistics, and I tell you this team is 290th nationally in whatever it may be, adjusted offensive efficiency, you have to understand that there is the power six, and the majority of that resides in the top 180, 190, the top half of the country. And then as you start to kind of crawl down the list, it very quickly, even though the statistics may be okay to somewhat bad, you very quickly start to climb down the, the, the list and realize, okay, let's move past the numbers here. These teams are probably not as athletic as the majority of the teams in the power six. They're not as tall. They're not as physical. They are not as capable of pushing themselves to pick up victories consistently. And I'm not saying they're incapable completely. St. Peter's, what's up? But what I'm saying here is as you start to work your way down these numbers and I talk about where players and teams rank nationally, uh, just understand that if they rank somewhere between slightly above average to bottom of, of the country, they're probably not on the level of your Kentuckys, your Purdue's, your Tennessee's, your Marquette's, your Alabama's, your Dukes, your ba- I think I think I said Baylor's, North Carolina, um, Creighton, uh, different teams like that. They're probably not on that level. So we can look at different statistics and we can go, oh, okay, wow, Marshall currently has the number seventeen adjusted tempo in the country. And then you go and look at their schedule, and then you start to really realize, oh. Just because it says they go fast, it may not be as serious of a problem against a team like Kentucky or a team like Duke or a team like Tennessee, et cetera, et cetera, than it would be against a team like Queens, who Marshall beat 89 to 73. So that is, I think, where we want to start here. Marshall does have a very fast pace on offense. That does not mean they have a good offense. According to Ken Palm, they are in the 220s nationally, and adjusted offensive efficiency. Look at the very basic shooting numbers with me real quick. Or excuse me, Marshall shoots less than 41% from the floor. That's bad. Their best score shoots 36.8% from the floor. Kevon Voiles, who is their leading scorer guard at almost 16 points per game. He does not shoot well at all. He shoots 20.6% from, from beyond the arc. The team as a whole shoots less than 25%. So what does Marshall do well? Well, they have a very fast pace on offense, but they also have a very bad offense. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They just miss a ton of shots. And when you go and look at their point distribution, something we talked about on yesterday's episode, they're not particularly strong in any area. They're just It's just a subpar offense that we're facing off against that has played a subpar schedule. The best team that they faced was Utah State, who they played at a neutral site, and they lost that game 83-60. to They lost by 23 points to a team that's not even in the top 60 nationally in Kimpom. I'm throwing all of these numbers at you. But I think, again, to reiterate and to sum it up, their leading scores do not shoot the ball well. Their team as a whole does not shoot the ball well. They have taken a serious amount of shots so far this year. They have taken 300 and 24 shots, which is quite a bit. And if you go over to Kentucky, you another fast-paced team, Kentucky's taken 333 shots. So Kentucky significantly more efficient 
against arguably, well, Kansas was the lone was the lone competition that was really good. Against similar to better competition, they have been significantly more efficient. They have scored more. They have arguably, uh, uh, arguably similar depth, which we will get into in a second. But Marshall doesn't really excite the way that I thought they would. Because if you go and look at last team, last year's team, excuse me, Tavion Kinsey, who averaged over 22 a game, is gone. Andrew Taylor, who averaged over 20 a game. If I'm not mistaken, is it Mississippi State or transferred somewhere else? But both those guys uh, shot better than 36% from deep. They were pretty good shooters overall. That team scored almost 82 points a game. This was a fun offense. This was a really fun offense last year. But the players that made that work are now departed. And you have Kevon Voiles, who is pretty much your your big-time guard here. That is not an effective shooter. Six foot three senior, by the way. I, I just I don't know if Marshall has the pieces on offense to match up with this Kentucky Wildcats team. They play fast. They really do play fast. But what did St. Joe's do that this team does not do well at all? St. Joe's could at least hit a three-point shot. This team cannot hit a three-point shot. They are 340th in the country in three-point field goal percentage. That is 23 spots away from dead last. That's not good. This is not a great offensive team as they were a season ago. So Kentucky's defense here, I think, which has not been phenomenal to begin the year, I think they will have a chance to really apply some pressure here tonight and make this Marshall team squirm a little bit, I think. I want to dive into more of the Kentucky side of things. What do we need to see out of the Wildcats now that we know that this opponent is nowhere near as effective as they were a season ago? I also want to point out here briefly, briefly, just side note, Marshall could come out here and score 100 tonight. Who knows? But uh, logic tells you Kentucky should win this game. They should win this game by 18, 19 points, 17, 18, 19 points. That's just where we're sitting. So I'm going to talk like, talk about this like that's the situation and if they ended up, if Marshall ends up pulling off the upset or keeping this one close, I do not want to hear anyone in the comments saying, well, you're an idiot. No, everyone and their mother. And if you go and look at computer models, they're going to say the exact same thing. We're talking about something and we're not being dramatic here. So hold off in the YouTube comments. Some of you, not all of you. A lot of you are, a lot of you are cool. I want to kind of talk about the different things we need to see from Kentucky, i.e. Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner. What do we need to see out of this defense specifically? I'll dive into that in just a second. Before I do that, though, do you guys know that there is a big-time football game happening tomorrow? Kentucky versus Louisville on the road with uh, with the Cardinals taking on the Wildcats taking on the Cardinals on the road. You may be looking for some last-minute tickets to go to that game in Louisville, and I would encourage you if you are looking for those last-minute tickets to check out Game Time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all different sporting events music events, comedy events, and theater events near you. They have got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat as well, and then they have their best uh, their best price guarantee. It means you'll always get the best price, and if you find the same tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. They all have deals right up to the very start of the event and even possibly an hour after it starts as well. They've got flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more like I mentioned. 
And then they've got a, this really cool thing called zone deals, which means you can pick the section and game time will pick the seats. And it's an average of 18% savings if you do that. You need to take the guesswork and the stress out of buying tickets with game time. You can go download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky. So we have talked about what the Thundering Herd kind of do well and what they don't do well. They run fast, they play fast, they have a very short possession length, but they don't shoot the ball particularly well, and their defense is just kind of average. So what do the Kentucky Wildcats need to do against this Thundering Herd squad that would have been a much more difficult, I think, fight a year ago? I think the first thing that we need to focus on, like I said, is Kentucky's defense. You go back and watch that St. Joe's game. They applied pressure by spreading the ball around, playing with fast uh, fast tempo, and then knocking down their threes. They took a ton of threes, and they hit enough to stay competitive in that one, take it all the way to overtime, almost won it there at the end. Thankfully, Kentucky was able to pull things out. Kentucky has to do a better job of playing through ball screens. You have to be able to step up and fight through screens better I don't think this is necessarily an energy issue. I mean, this team up until that last game has been fighting pretty hard. Was it just a slump after playing against Kansas? I don't know. Are you going to be able to kind of bounce back now that you've gotten past that game and you have now played the St. Joe's team who gave you all those problems? Maybe. But Marshall, I think, is going to be running a similar pace and they're going to be shooting a lot of shots. They're going to be shooting a lot of threes. So let's keep an eye on how Kentucky fights through their ball screens. Kentucky also has to do a much better job of communicating on defense and switching because you will see Kentucky, I think we've seen this throughout their first five games of the year, you will see the Wildcats, and this is not a Kentucky-specific issue. This just happens. This is part of defense. You will get halfway to 75% through a possession, and you will see Kentucky switch and rotate guys around, and they're able to kind of hold off and and defend and keep the team from identifying the matchup that they want to exploit on that given possession with the whatever set they're running. And Kentucky's able to do that for the majority of a possession. And then you will see towards the very end when there's just a little bit more intensity, a little bit more pace, and the team is trying to find a shot, you will see Kentucky kind of break down on communication. And it leads to an open, uh, open shot. And you got to see that a few times against St. Joseph's. You got to see it a few times against Kansas. Um, Stonehill was knocking down shots early as well against Kentucky. You have to be better switching, communicating, and then rotating over when two people commit to a man with the ball. You have to be able to get that done consistently. And I think, and we have had this conversation a lot here over the past few weeks, I think that getting your seven-footers will help on defense. We've talked a lot about what Kentucky can do on offense if they get one of these seven-footers back around the rim. They could be so much better, I think, defensively defensively around the rim with the seven-footer, duh. But also, in terms of their length, how much they are physically able to cover of the half court, look at a guy like Zvonimir. It will help Kentucky so much, I think, when it comes to rotating over. Because Kentucky's got bigs, but I think guys like Aaron Bradshaw, they move. Zvonimir Ivasic, they move. We've talked about that and how they performed in practice. Yugana Nienzo, maybe the slowest of the bunch, but also seven foot, 
going to be able to weigh some things down in the paint. These guys can move, and they have length. They have some serious, uh, excuse me, they've got some serious uh, some serious arm length there to kind of cover uh, parts of your defense that would be much more difficult to with just your six foot eight Jordan Burks and your seven uh, six foot nine Trey Mitchell out there. So Kentucky right now has to do what they can. They need to be playing better defense rotationally. How you switch out, how you communicate, all of that good stuff. And then when you go and look at the offense, DJ Wagner has to be able to have some type of good night either now or next week against Miami. I need to see an efficient shooting night out of this guy. We're going to get it at some point. The question is just simply when. And then it's the same thing for Justin Edwards, who I think was better in this most recent game against St. Joe's. I think he was better overall. He went, uh, let's see, he went to yeah, two of three from inside the arc, two of three from outside the arc. He had, he had a good shooting night. 12 points there, made both of his free throws. Wagner, though, 6 of 13 from inside the arc, 1 of 4 from outside. You got to have, you just got to have better shooting, I think, from those two guys. And if you can get better shooting from those two guys, and uh, guys like Rob Dillingham are able to continue to step up and play out of their mind, which I've reiterated time and time again, I don't know if that's going to be able to continue. But if it does, uh, Kentucky's going to come out here and win this game. So play your style of basketball, run with them. I think this pacing will be fun. Get up and down the court. Play play them late into the shot clock and then make sure you close out possessions strong. Get Wagner. Get Edwards going. Find ways to get them touches as well. I think this is going to be a fun one. If you've got any thoughts, you can leave those in the YouTube comments below. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram that is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave those in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Bye.